somebody ought to take about 30 seconds right now and just lift him higher in this place. Come on, wherever you have him at tonight, uh, take about 30 seconds and just say, Lord, I'm lifting you higher tonight. Somebody put those hands together and give God a shout of praise tonight one more time. Woo! Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel something stirring in the spirit in this house tonight. I feel a residue in this place from this weekend. High five at least five or six people on the way to your seat. Tell them I'm going higher tonight. I'm going higher tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't need marijuana to get me there. And I don't need alcohol to make me higher. And I don't need any kind of appeal to make me higher. Because I got the spirit of the most high living on the inside. When you got the Holy Ghost, baby, it'll take you all the way high. Higher than any drug can take you. Higher than any relationship can take you. Uh, I wish wish somebody that was high in the building would just give him some praise. I wish somebody that was high would just give him, I'm not low. I'm not down, I'm not defeated, I'm not laying on the ground, but baby, I'm high. Reach over, tell your neighbor, tell them neighbor, you're the head and you're not the tail. Tell them you're above and you're not beneath. Declare you're the lender and you're not the borrower. One more time, tell them if God be for you, who can be against you? Now somebody give him a praise for this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if they can hear you on the live stream. I don't know if they believe it's this wild on a Tuesday night on the live stream. What makes a bunch of people come on a Tuesday night after working all day and act like this? I'll tell you what it is. We're all high in this place. Ain't no good party without getting high. Ain't nothing wrong with getting high. It just matters what you getting high on, baby. Some of y'all need a little taste of what we got tonight. It'll get you up out of your seat in the middle of church. It'll wake up your tired body after working on. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ain't, 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 ain't nobody mad but the devil tonight, amen. Ooh, oh, let's try it one more time. Maybe you need to high-five eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them, I don't know about you, but I'm high tonight. Tell them I'm high. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Have we been having a great time in the Holy Ghost around here this week? You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take the opportunity to, again, give a great big welcome to all of our guests that are with us in the house of the Lord. Would you take a moment, put your hands together, church, and help me welcome all of our guests that are here with us tonight. Come on, make some noise. We are so excited to have you with us tonight, to all of those that are joined us on our live stream tonight. Uh, we're gra grateful that you tuned in to see what the Lord is doing in this place, and uh, we're, we're glad you're joining us tonight. It is so awesome to look out and see brother and sister Pope in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Come on, would you help me put your hands together and honor this great man of God and his wife? Amen. We, we love and appreciate them very, very much. And uh, every time they show up, they are such a strength to this body and this house. And uh, we love and appreciate them very, very much. And then uh, tonight I want to mention these are not first-time guests. As a matter of fact, I think they have uh, been here at least a couple of times now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but they discovered the Rock Church and uh, were living, I forgot which town they were in. They were in Tallahassee. And uh, somehow, and I don't remember the story, they discovered the Rock Church. And they said, we got to get down there and, and see what's going on. And uh, they, they have come a couple of times. But tonight he walked up and said, Bishop, we here now. I said, what do you mean? He said, we moved here. We, we here now. He said, and we ain't waiting on nothing. We're ready to, we're ready to jump in. Would y'all help me put your hands together and give a great big welcome home to the Harris family. Javon and Evan and all of their children, would you help me welcome them home tonight? Amen. We always tell our guests, welcome home, but welcome home for real. <laughs> Amen. Welcome to the Rock Church, to Fort Myers, on the banks of the Caloosahatchee River, downtown Fort Myers, the city of Palms, land of the free, home of the brave, epicenter of apostolic revival. <laughs> and I want to say how glad I am to be home tonight. Amen. Oh, man. I feel like, I feel like Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz without the red shoes tonight. Ain't no, no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And um, thankful for all of the great reports from this weekend. How many of you thank God for all of the incredible ministry that we have in this house? Would you help me thank God for the ministry of Brother Trevor Sloss on Sunday morning? Preach such a powerful word from heaven. Thank you, son. 
following the Holy Ghost. They told me the building was packed on Sunday. And uh, when the Lord finished around here, Daquan was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. And then would you help me put your hands together and just thank God for the ministry of Brother Judah Williams on Sunday night. Amen. I saw a post of him standing up on the pulpit preaching. I said, he ain't going to outdo me. I got to invent something now. See, I'll just hold on. If you see me come out of here swinging from a rope like Tarzan or something, you'll know what's happening. <laughs> hey, listen, I ain't going to get old and fall asleep in church. I'm not going to lose my, my power and my fire and anointing and start coming to church and just sitting there while everybody else is. I ain't doing it. Moses messed around and, and all of the followers ended up passing the leader. And while he sat back, they all went ahead into the pro You ain't leaving me here. I said, you ain't leaving. I'll go on a diet. I'll start running on a treadmill. You, but you ain't leaving me here, baby. I'll take vitamins if I have to, uh, but you ain't leaving me behind. I'll strap on some orthopedic shoes if I got to. I'll put on some Vicks if I got to. Uh, I'll sleep with essential oils if I got But baby, you ain't leaving me behind. I just came to serve notice on all y'all in your 30s and 20s and teenagers. Y'all ain't leaving this man behind. I'm telling you that right now. I'll strap on some Nikes if I got to put some glasses so I could see better, but you ain't leaving me behind. Tell your neighbor you ain't leaving me behind. Come on, tell him. You, you tell your other neighbor you ain't leaving me behind. I'm going all the way. I said I'm going all the way. And uh, I appreciate the ministry of these uh, incredible uh, young men and uh, how God is using them. And uh, I believe they announced this week that tonight would be a special service and uh, that we would be do doing something incredible. And so I'm very excited tonight because uh, the Bible tells us to go into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come. And uh, this church, I believe, has uh, in its DNA the spirit of evangelism. And uh, I thank God for all that he is doing through our work of evangelism. And uh, I want to say how grateful I am for the leadership in our evangelism ministries. How many of you thank God for Brother Epi Leal and Sister... Uh, Leal and their leadership, would you help me thank God for them tonight? God is using them in a powerful, powerful and remarkable way. And uh, the other day I was, I was thinking about Brother Leal and, and uh, so the gift that God has, has given him and uh, his tenacity. And I, I came up with a new name for Brother Leal. From henceforth... 
he is going to be affectionately known as the general. The general. And uh, we love and appreciate him. And one of the dynamics that we have been praying about, uh, Brother Leal and Brother Sloss, and many of us uh, involved in, in kids ministry and uh, uh, Hammonds and Ms. Verlazes, and uh, is that we have been praying and asking God how to help us uh, with getting people here. And we have made some very small attempts over the past few years at uh, making inroads into figuring out how to do bus ministry and transportation ministry. And uh, the Lord has been blessing us. And the Lord has been blessing this house. And we are very excited to announce that we are about to launch a brand new ministry in this church. A brand new ministry in this church. As a matter of fact, just take a look, if you would, for a moment at the video screen. Would you help me put your hands together for Rock Church's new bus ministry, Sunday Express. Woo! Sunday Express is the new name of the Rock Church's newly launched bus ministry. Amen. And I'm just telling you right now, buckle your, or maybe unbuckle your seatbelts and get ready because there are some amazing things that are about to, that are already unfolding regarding this ministry. Now, as is with any ministry, uh, any type of ministry rises and falls on the shoulders of leadership. And one of the things that we have prayed and learned how to pray in this church is what Jesus commanded us to pray concerning the harvest. Uh, we, we are very well, well aware of the, the words of prophecy that have come over this house regarding the season that we are in right now. And I do not believe that it is by any accident or coincidence that what God is unfolding right this moment is dovetailing with that word of prophecy. First Lady and I, along with uh, this church, have, have continually prayed over the eight years that we have been here. We have prayed to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. And we are so excited to announce 
that God has provided incredible apostolic leadership for our new bus ministry. And it is my privilege to present to you the brand new director of our bus ministry, Sunday Express tonight, brother and sister, Stuart. Would you help me thank God? Come on up here. Would you help me thank God for Brother David and Sister Whitley Stewart tonight? And would you help me thank God for Brother Mason and Sister Skyler tonight? Amen. Brother and Sister Stewart, I am so grateful that the Lord has brought you all to the Rock Church. Amen. And this, this precious family comes bearing a powerful call of God upon their life, a tremendous anointing upon their life. And one of the incredible things uh, concerning this family and this ministry is that Brother Stewart and Sister Stewart have been involved in developing robust, anointed, and effective bus ministry from the ground up. And bus ministry is in their blood. It's in their bones. It's in their DNA. And uh, it's just no coincidence that God would bring this family here in this season, in this time, equipped the way that they're equipped. Brother and Sister Stewart, I want you to know that I stand behind you and everything God has put in your spirit and your heart concerning this ministry, 100%. Not only do I stand behind you, but this entire church stands behind you. And the vision that God has put in your spirit for this ministry. I've asked Brother Stewart to come tonight to share his heart with us, to deliver a word from God to us tonight. How many of you are excited about being in that in the work of God during this time? Would you help me one more time? Put your hands together. Welcome, Brother Stewart, to this desk tonight. We love you. Let's give that praise to the one true living King. Come on, has God been good to us? Come on, let's praise Him. Can we lift our voices? Can we magnify God? Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. When I first met Bishop, there's a saying that he has, and you've probably heard it, that God does all things well. God doesn't get things wrong. And in his time, things are done perfect. I have a burden tonight, and it's associated with transportation and bus ministry. But at the very root of it, in its most simplistic form, church, I want to die a soul winner. I, I don't care how we get them here. Uh, if we got to run limos, if we run buses, if we run vans, I have a burden to see the lost saved. 
by whatever means necessary to get them to the house of God. I want to compel them like Jesus did. With this burden tonight, I, I really do have a word from God. God has spoke to me, and as I've heard Bishop put before, I could almost roll out of the bed and preach about soul winning and outreach because it's just part of my life. I'm not always driving a bus, but it's when I go get my hair cut or when I go get a cold drink. It's a, when I'm at a restaurant and I see, when I see somebody hurt and I see the adversary taking advantage of somebody, I just, I, there's something in me that just rises up and I have to tell them what God has done for me. But I got news for us. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. There is no they. There is no them. There's no chariots outside waiting to reap this harvest. But it's every single one of us inside of these four walls that Jesus has called for this hour, for this time, for this moment. God has ordained these anointed people to reach this city in this time. Put your hands together. Shout unto God if you really believe that God's going to use you. If God is going to use your family to reach this city. Hallelujah. In Matthew 9 and 36, the Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Compassion. There's many things I could say tonight about outreach and bus ministry. Several testimonies. We could be here all night. But as I prayed over this service, because I want God to unleash this burden of soul winning and dispatch it into these people tonight, into our hearts. There is one word that when I think about everything that God could do in this city, there is one ingredient that if we do not have it, we will be ineffective. Compassion. Compassion. Compassion will make you love people that you're not supposed to love, people that, that have done you wrong, people that have wrongfully done things to your faith. Compassion will make you pull your vehicle over on the side of the road and help somebody. Compassion will make you stop at a gas station and you see somebody broken. It will make you reach them. You may be seated. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I want to preach to us about disruptive compassion. Disruptive compassion. So send I you. So send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke to suffer scorn and scoffing, so send I you to toil for me alone. 
So send I you to bind the bruised and broken, wandering souls to work, to weep, to wake, to bear the burdens of a world aweary. So send I you to suffer for my sake. So send I you to loneliness and longing, with hearts a-hungering for the loved and known, forsaken home and kindred, friend and dear one, so send I you to know my love alone. So send I you to leave your life's ambition, to die to dear desire, self-will resign, to labor long in love where men revile you, so send I you to lose your life in mine. So send I you to hearts made hard by hatred, to eyes made blind because they will not see, to spend though it be blood, to spend and spare not. So send I you to taste of Calvary. As the Father hath sent me, so send I you. During the summer of 2005, Operation Red Wings was launched by the 2nd Battalion, 3rd Marines. Utilizing their SOF units and assets, three of the four Navy SEAL operators were ambushed and killed hours after beginning their team recon mission. As the sun rose the morning after their boots landed in Afghanistan, his team was informed of the losses. The new mission dubbed Operation Red Wings II, and it was to recover the fallen heroes and the lone survivor. There's something about the sound of a convoy. There's something about when you're pinned down by enemy fire, and if we put this in our world, there's something about being all alone and left for dead the way the adversary left you. There's something about when the adversary says, this is where you will die. This is where your life will be ended. This is where your addiction will overcome you, and this is the last breath you will breathe. But there is something about when all hope is lost, the sound of a convoy that's coming just over the ridgeline that says, not my child, and I am the lone survivor, and my child I am going after. I said there's something about the sound of the wheels turning, and when the tracks of the tanks coming, you can feel the vibrations in the earth. There's something about when Jesus says, so send I you. If you can, in your mind's eye, envision with me, these men go in 
after a terrorist, and they have their team. And while they're there, they are ambushed. They're killed, almost all of them except for one man. They send in some backup. They send in some helicopters, and the one lone survivor that they really didn't know even survived is thinking that this is where he is going to die. The enemy has captured him. The enemy's tortured him. The enemy's got his hands around his throat, and he, there, there's, there's defeat all around him. And if I can for a moment, I can just, I, I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost what I felt, that a lot of us here know what it's like to have those lonely nights when the adversary has wrapped his hands around your mind, and you don't understand when you're going to see daylight, and you almost feel like this is my end, this is my demise. But how many of us have come when we just drag our bodies to the house of God because we knew where our strength came from. We knew that if we could just get to the house of God and we knew that if we could just hear what the preacher has in his spirit, that there was a convoy, that there was some men and women that was going to pray with me in the altar, that there was an anointing that would break the yoke that the enemy had on me. We understand the importance of not leaving one brother behind. We understand what it's like to not leave our sister in the state that the adversary has them in. James 1 and 27. I'm going to take a few moments because... Y'all don't know me that well, so I'm going to lay this foundation that way there's no mistakes made. James 1 and 27 says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I want to go on record and I want to say that holiness is, is, is required in the kingdom of God. That you have to be separated from the world. That once you know sin and God pulls you out of sin, you can't stay where you're at. In order to make it head to heaven, there is going to be people that look like me and you, but they don't know God. God says, for you are a wicked servant. But holiness is important to God. Being clean and undefiled is part of your relationship with God. It's very detrimental to your character and your soul that when you get into outreach and you start getting on the battlefield, that if you're not clean, if you're not undefiled, you can't just take one of these. You can't just go and reach the fatherless and the widows and not be undefiled. You can't just be undefiled and clean and not reach the fatherless and the widowed. These things go hand in hand. Because when you start reaching the world and you lose your cleanliness, when you lose your holiness, you lose your power. You lose what God has set you apart from. And this is why the church is riddled with preachers' kids that they don't know God no more and they backslide. Because we seem to forget that just because we're reaching the lost, because we're reaching the fatherless and the widowed, Jesus said, I don't want you to be touched by the world. It's important. But for tonight's message, 
I think the church has done a wonderful job this last century on our doctrine. We don't under, we're, we're not confused. We know what right and wrong is. We have our boundaries. We got our doctrine. We have our standard. We can preach it. We can teach it. We know that there is one God. Jesus is his name. That you have to be baptized, not in the name of the Father, the Son, in the Holy Ghost, but in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. I said, we're a clean people. We're clean. The reason I feel this so strong is I was just like this. You know, you, you come to God and you, you repent and you get the devil off your back and you get clean. You get picked up and you get cleaned off. That's not what pure religion is. That is only half of what pure religion is. Being clean and undefiled is nice. That's what the Pharisees, the outside was just so pretty. They didn't like when Jesus sat down with somebody that maybe smelled like marijuana, somebody that was maybe battling addiction. They say, hey, they're unclean. You can't touch them. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's my child. That's my kid. There is hope for them. I'm going to die for them. That's my child. I said, we're clean people. The church is so clean. And in all the importance and the implication of salvation through holiness, it, your walk with God does not stop there. I've heard it so much the last few years with people that feel a burden. They say, Bishop, I'm available. I'm available. Let me tell you something, information without application is stagnation. You can have all the one God scriptures you want and you can understand baptism, you can teach your Bible study, but if you aren't applying it, if you aren't reaching the fatherless and the widowed, you have not met the perfect will of God. There is a time to be called, and that time is now. The time is right now. The time is not a week from now or a month from now. Your consistency is what is going to defeat the adversary. I'm going to sit down right here just for a second. It doesn't matter what your anointing is. It doesn't matter what skills or talents you have. If you're not consistent on your worst day, if you just don't show up when you don't feel like it, if you're not consistent, the devil will chew you up and spit you out. God can't use you if you're not in your position at all times. I said consistency matters. Consistency over talent. Consistency over skill. Consistency over your gifts. I said, he shows up every day. The devil doesn't miss. I said, the devil does not miss. He is there every time. The Bible says that when he tempted Jesus, he took him to the tabernacle, to the temple. The devil ain't afraid to go to church. He's talking to some of you right now saying, that preacher ain't talking to me. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, God has anointed you for this hour. And you don't need to wait for another week. You need to get in and get your hands to the plow. Magnify God. Lift your voices. Clap your hands. Come on, this is our hour.
Come on, the world is going to hell, but God has chosen a people. God has chosen a church. There's a problem with becoming lethargic. There's a problem with atrophy. I know I make a lot of people here nervous, my wife mainly. I had my hip replacement. I just want to testify just for a second. People tell me I got to slow down, and honestly, my doctors tell me the same thing, so it's good advice. But I learned something from the devil, that whenever I would find something that would keep me out of church or that would hinder my praise, it was always there. When I had to miss church to work and I had to work overtime, guess what? Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, I just had overtime. The boss just happened to come. But until I took a stand and said, devil, I, yeah, I had a hip replacement, but you're not taking my dance. Devil, you called and you tried to call me out from where God brought me from, and you're not taking my skills. You're not taking my talents for the kingdom. You can either change your city, you can change your environment, or your environment will change you. You can either sit on a pew and act like that we don't have nothing going on outside of this four, outside of these four walls. But I can tell you that suicide and depression, the devil is claiming souls left and right. And for a matter of time, I don't want it to reach my home. I don't want it to reach my house. You know why? I'm going on the offensive. I'm going back to the crack dealer's house. I'm going back to that neighborhood that held me in bondage. Why? Because I'm taking everything. Everything that the devil stole from me. There's been a convoy commissioned tonight. I said, There's been a convoy commissioned tonight. I'm putting hell on notice. This is the last day. This Today, it's 8.43 tonight. This is the last time you'll ever know what it's not like to see buses running up and down your, the crack dealer's neighborhood. This will be the last night you want to know what it's like to see people outreaching in the ghettos, in the bottoms, whenever nobody wants to reach them. Every scar, I want you to think about where God brought you from. When the devil lied to you and he held it over your head and he told you you'd be a nobody, you'd never do anything for God. That testimony was not meant to be put on a shelf as a trophy and polished once a week. It was meant when God brought you out of your addiction, when God saved you, when God showed you grace and mercy for you to reach the sinners that the devil has his grips on, to go back into the neighborhoods where people don't know truth and to lay claim to God's children. There is a litmus test to what the Bible calls pure religion. There really is. There, I thought the Holy Ghost spoke this to me, and of all places, I was in the middle of the woods last week. God spoke this to me out of nowhere. There is a question. That's what a litmus, there's a question that when it is answered, it will tell you 
whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I want you to think about your children. I want you to think about your husband and your wife. I want you to think about your families. I want you to think about children and loved ones, people that are dear to you, like, like you are to God. I want the people that are very close in your heart that you love dearly. I want you to think about the worst case scenario. You die. You're no longer able to influence your children. You're no longer, just think about it. Say, you know, hey, I die, my wife dies, and I can't, you know, my cousins, they don't really know who God is, but I'm not here no more. I don't have the, I'm not able to physically be there. And so as, as you think about this in, in your loved ones, I want you to picture them out in the world. They don't have a bishop in their life. Would your children be reached by the church that you attend? I feel the Holy Ghost. That's conviction. That, that convicted me because it changed the way I approached compassion. Am I developing, am I breeding something, is it rubbing off on people that are around me? Am I, am I trying to start something in a church? Am I trying, the topic of my conversation, is it around saving souls? I used to wonder all the time, how great men of God, how their children, ministers, to be so close to the anointing, to be so close to God in those moments, how, how could their children not understand? How could there not be any reverence? How could the devil take claim to them? It's because that whenever you understand that being undefiled and your standards, that is, that is part of your walk with God. But reaching and teaching them that, look, you don't have to be afraid of these people. These people are God's children. Let me, let me explain to you what happened to them. Let me, let me tell you about their decisions that got him here. God says that the litmus to this, this response to whatever the, the world has for us. And we're trying to figure out our ministry. We're trying to figure out how this harvest is going to be gathered. Will your children ever have a chance at salvation in a city if you weren't here? I had to be, I had to come to the acknowledgement that there was people that I can't reach. I hadn't been through what they've been through, but maybe you've been through it. Maybe your testimony, your anointing's got something that mine don't. Maybe you can reach them. But look, maybe one day my son, my daughter, maybe they'll be on hard times, and I'm just praying that if I just keep sowing, if I just keep knocking doors, if I just keep running buses, if I could just keep sowing seeds, that maybe someday there'll be a person that can minister to my children without me there because there's an atmosphere in the house of not leaving one brother behind, not leaving one sister behind one of the main stories in the Bible that God gives us 
is the Good Samaritan. Luke 10 and 30, in Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. I said the church has got a couple things wrong. I said the body, the body of Christ has a couple things wrong. If you're not willing to get your hands dirty, if you're not willing to go down to the same pit that God pulled you from to get your brother, something's wrong with your religion. That's not pure religion. Pure religion is compassion that disrupts the adversary. It disrupts the neighborhoods. It disrupts the apartment. It disrupts everything in the city. Why? Because the priest says, I want to be like Christ. The priest went that way, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. I can't get my hands dirty. That's not my problem. That's not my problem. Because he's not in my church. That's somebody else. Let me tell you right now, it's all God's children. It's all hands on deck. It's every color. It's every creed. It's every denomination. When God says, my children are hurting and my children are perishing, it's everybody's hands to the plow. So the priest says, that's not my problem. The biggest thing with ministry and with living for God is it's nobody's problem. It's somebody, somebody else will go and somebody, I'm telling you now in the Holy Ghost, nobody's coming. There is no they, there's no them. It's nobody, it's our problem, it's my problem, it's your problem. And if you don't put your hands to pull them from the pit, the adversary is taking them from the kingdom. It's our problem, church. It says he passed by on the other side, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him. Levite said, I'll look at him. And that's the problem with the church in Pentecost is that a lot of people like drama. They like to look at somebody that's fallen away from God. Everybody's spirit wants to inquire whenever they want to have their nose in the middle of somebody's business. But when it comes time to go give a Bible study or when it comes time for where are you at then, you're always posting scriptures for people. And I never understood this. I never understood this. There's people that are posting things, they're posting scriptures in open rebuke. Last week they told everybody that didn't want to read it to leave them, to unfollow them. Who are you reaching? Put your money where your mouth is. Go buy a bus. Get out in your city and reach somebody. It's a lot easier to cast stones when you live in a glass house. But I'm telling you, the true work of God, the true kingdom of God is not open rebuke, but it's loving your neighbor as yourself. Levite came and looked, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, 
Y'all have heard this story. The Samaritan helped him. But let me tell you something. That's some key words. As he journeyed. Do you know why? Because it's as you're on your way to work. As you're on your way to a doctor's office. As you're on your way to outreach. As you're on your way to a birthday party. The work of God doesn't stop for nobody. I said your ministry is living every second. As he journeyed, that man knew what it was like to have the call of God on his life and to move on him at a gas station getting a cup of coffee. It wasn't because he had a pulpit to get behind or because his name wasn't on a conference flyer, but it was because he had compassion for those that he loved. He had compassion for his neighbor. The Rock Church is in a dangerous predicament right now. By the standards of the church, the Rock Church has reached success. We could probably go to sleep tonight and say, look, we had a, we had a good crowd. We had a good move of God. And Bishop, this building's fine. I feel the Holy Ghost. Whenever you reach moderate success and you reach complacency in the kingdom of God, that's when stagnation and death starts to take place. And when you don't start moving things like they need to be moved, when you don't get ahead of the curve and you say, no, no, that's a lie. Complacency is a lie from the devil. We won't be happy until every soul in Lee County is reached, until Haiti, until across the world, God's work is never done. We're going to push past complacency. We're going to push past, media, like Brother Judas said, mediocre prayer. We're going to push past what we feel is moderate success in the Holy Ghost. We're going to push past it, and we're going to seize what God has promised us. The Bible says that prophecies shall fail. That's a little mind-boggling because the Bible also says that God's word will not return void. And I thought on this for several months. I didn't understand it. But God spoke to me in a prayer meeting one night. You know the only ingredient to prophecy of why it would fail? It's not God's problem. Flesh. You can prophesy till the cows come home, but if the body doesn't latch in, if the people of God don't take it and run with it, the prophecy never comes to pass. As he journeyed, came where he was. The scripture tells us that as he approached him, he went to where the man was. And this is where religion sometimes gets it wrong. They they play on this scripture that says, let your light shine. You know what that is? You know the hardest addiction you'll ever beat? The hardest addiction anybody will will ever come to know is laziness. Because once you start doing nothing, it's really hard to stop doing nothing. Uh, When you stop doing outreach, it's really hard to find the time to do outreach. When you stop soul winning, it's really hard to find the time to start soul winning. And he went, came to where he was. 
I said somebody lit up a beacon for a convoy that said, hurt man here. And we know where those places are. And I said, I don't know where they all are, but there's some places I've seen on my way to, to and from church and throughout this city that people, some churches, be scared to go in there. That's the places I want to go. We, look, you leave them for this church. Look, if you're scared to go, leave them for me. I'll go. Send me. So send I you. Send me, God. I want to be a testimony. I want to have the testimony to reach the people that people left behind. I want the bruised fruit. He said he came where he was. He poured oil and wine on him. And I've read this scripture a lot, but I didn't always have this revelation. This church is on, this is not normal. I, I just have to tell you all this. This is not normal. The church we have here on a consistent weekly basis, this is not normal. God is doing something in Fort Myers. There is something taking place in the supernatural. Don't believe the lie from the devil that this is just church. This is God's house. This is the end. The church says, I'm going to let my light shine. And you know what that is? That's just saying that I got clean and I'm undefiled, but I don't have to fulfill the second part of that scripture. That's so I can feel good about myself and I don't have to go to the places. You, let me just clarify. I felt this in the Holy Ghost. It's called the work of God for a reason. It's work. It's, it's really work. It's getting up and it's being tired and it's laboring and it's a burden. It's heavy. But it's because it's the work of God. It, this is not, this, the last days ain't for the weak. If you can't contend with the footman, how are you going to contend with the horse? I'm just telling somebody, you better get ready for work. Sweat on your brow and blood on your hands because the devil's willing to get dirty. But he says, and set him on his own beast. You mean the online stream didn't reach him? I'm for it. We've reached more people, but there's something that the church has replaced with outreach, and it's called social media. And that this church, you can watch it online, but guess what? I'm coming to your door. I'm coming to your city. I'm coming to your neighborhood. Why? Because you're going to hear my voice. You're going to see some yellow buses running up and down your street. You're going to have some cards and flyers in your door. The Bible said that he sat him on his own beast. That man didn't have a car. He didn't have any transportation. Somebody else will pick those people up. So send I you. This is my prayer tonight. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost because I could preach about bus ministry and testimonies and all that. I preach this. That we never look at another soul the same way again. That as we see people on our journey, as we journey through this life, that God takes our sleep from us. That God, don't, don't let me let somebody slip through my fingers. God, don't let me be careless with your children. 
I said, that's the will of God. That's what God had for you. He had compassion and mercy and grace for you. He reached down and pulled you out. Do you not have any compassion? Set him on his own beast. Geographically, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Bus ministry is an avenue. It could be horse trailers. I'd ride in anything. It doesn't really matter. It could be limousines. I've been to Chicago before. Buses would not work at all down there. But Fort Myers is blessed. Because I could fit a lot more people on a yellow bus than I can a car. I said, I can, I can make sure that his house is full. I can make sure that, Bishop, you're going to need new building plans. I can make sure that, Brother Hammond, we're going to have to have some new Sunday school rooms. Why? Because the harvest is in the field. And I'm looking for whatever way I can get them into the house of God. He says he set him on his own beast and brought him to an end. That's true evangelism. That's not a traveling ministry. That's true evangelism. That is out there reaching the lost. That's what God commissioned every single person under the sound of my voice tonight. And I'm preaching not just to a group of people. I'm not preaching just to the outreach people. I'm not preaching to Sunday school. Every person, every single breathing, living vessel, every child of God, yes, this is who I'm taught. You, you are the answer for your city. You are the answer for this ministry. Bible says, and on the morrow, after he dropped him off in the inn, he departed and took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, take care of him, whatsoever thou spendest. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost. I'm not the only one that said this, but I feel it so strong. I was talking with somebody in the church the other day, what the Rock Church is on the brink of. God is about to use people in this church financially, and you won't understand the blessings, but God is going to facilitate his work through you. Let me just tell you, though, that's not coming just to somebody who, who, who when, it, when they're given the tithe, it's hard to come out of their hands. It's somebody that says, God, take this money. God, sow it into the kingdom. God, I want to hurt my pockets because I want to prove you in this hour. There was a man that I became friends with. Saw him a few weeks ago. Back in Baton Rouge. I saw a picture of him on the internet, on Facebook. It was before I knew him. And something y'all don't know about me, I grew up, I don't know, it wasn't a rough part of town for me. It was home. But I played ball. Y'all can't tell it because of my hip, but I played ball my whole life. And so I grew up with some guys that knew what it was like to be a part of some gang life and knew what it was like to be a part of addiction. And I said, man, I saw your picture last week before you came to God. I said, I don't know if I'd have gave you an outreach card. He looked rough. He looked, he looked like he'd done some hard time. The devil had his way. 
as they get ready for the music, I want to share a story with you. And I came here last night because God was dealing with me about this service. There's a million ways this could have went tonight, but I feel this so strong in my spirit that this is what God wants for this hour. There's many ways to catch a burden for God to deal with you. I pray tonight that bus ministry and outreach for every person that's here, you latch in now. Don't wait. I don't care if you're 12 and 13 years old. I don't care if you're 70. The kingdom of God has a job and a ministry for you to do right now in this hour, in this city, in this church. I told him, no, I said, I don't know if I'd have gave you an outreach card. You look pretty rough. When I was standing up here when Brother Judas so capably preached, it was about 10 or 15 minutes into the altar call. Have you ever been hit with just an overwhelming conviction in the Holy Ghost? I, I, I was almost paralyzed. I just stood there. And all I could do was weep. God spoke to me. Because some of y'all hadn't really caught on to what I'm saying just yet. You see, Trey, Trey was one to God through outreach and bus ministry. Somebody went to his house, knocked on his door. You got to understand, he was battling with suicide, depression, every type of addiction. And for some people, the world likes to call them throwaways. I told y'all that these, this church is not normal. The, the, the anointing and the Holy Ghost that's here is radiating outside of these walls. God has you. For the most part, we come to church pretty filled. Living for God, we come to church and we get what we need. God says, okay. And you say, right there, God. That's just enough. That's just enough. You see, Trey didn't have a family that was really raised in church. Here's the litmus test again. Would your children be reached if you weren't here? And so somebody went to his door. And they took a bus card and said, call us for church. We want to come pick you up. How many of y'all got saved on the first time God dealt with you? So he takes that outreach card and sits it on his desk. Condemnation and depression weighing on his mind. The enemy telling him this life is over for you. This is where you're going to die. The enemy surrounded you. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming for you. As I was standing right here, God gave me this vision. And God gave me a dream two years ago that I'm going to tell you. And as I sat right, as I stood right here, the anointing was so powerful in here. The Rock Church lives 
in the overflow. That's not me trying to pull at your emotions. That's where we live at, church. I said we are a blessed, blessed people to experience the move of God, the freedom and the liberty and the Holy Ghost that we feel. We live in the overflow. She brings him another outreach card, second one, third one, fourth one. Brother Lou, you ever had anybody slam the door in your face before? That's right. You ain't done it long enough if you hadn't. You're probably telling yourself, I hear it right now in the Holy Ghost. I can't go to those doors and talk to people. I ain't good with talking with people. If your child was behind that door battling depression, would you want somebody to reach them? If your wife, and you were dead, if your wife was there battling depression, would you want an angel sent from God to come and tell them that there's hope? God does still love you. Would you want somebody to send a convoy to them? It wasn't the fifth one. Brother Sloss, it wasn't the tenth one. It wasn't the fifteenth one. It wasn't the twentieth one. I'm going to pause right here and tell you what this dream was that God gave me. I love Africa. You can ask my wife. She gets tired of hearing me talk about it. I love everything about the landscape and the people, the animals. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I had a dream, though, one night that I was standing in this home, and there was a lady standing at her kitchen sink. I knew I was in Africa from the landscape. And inside this home, there was a sink. There was a sink overflowing with water. Immediately in the Holy Ghost, I understood that there's water crisis in Africa. Why are they wasting it? What are they doing with the overflow? What's the overflow? What, why? That has use for it. Somebody could use that. God pulls me out of the house and elevates me over the home and in a field as far as I could see. There was people, bodies scattered, death. They thirst to death. Meanwhile, the woman in the home... The faucet's wide open. It's overflowing. It's just running over all over the floor. She's walking. It's sloshing. I hear it. And God quickened my spirit. As I'm standing at this altar and I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the power that's in this place. The people that are dying. And we say, just a little more, God. Is it enough? Trey didn't get it right on the 20 or the 25th time. It took 32 outreach cards. Part of me says, my Lord, I'm being real with myself. Would I have enough persistence to pass out 32 cards to the same person? 
But the other side of me is begging and pleading that if my babies were behind that door, if somebody was in that house, God send anybody. God send anybody. God send anybody. Tonight when we come to this altar, this is not for anybody's emotions. This is a personal night. Because there's something, there's an anointing in here that when it latches into your spirit, when you commit to God that you're about to do his work, God's going to empower you. God's going to anoint you. God's going to give you the strength. A lot of you teenagers, I've, I've seen it on your faces and in your spirit. You've been asking God, what can I do around here? God, you, you feel that pull to ministry. Maybe, you've, maybe you're an adult and you've only been here for a few months and you're asking God, God, what can I do for you? God, what, what can I do in this house? they got some preachers. God, they've got beautiful singers. God, they've got musicians. So send I you. So send I you. That's it. The Holy Ghost is speaking to somebody. God, if I never preach another sermon, send me. Come on, do you have enough water? Do you have enough? Is there enough of the overflow to go out into the streets? Are you full yet? Are you full yet? A service after service. Are you full yet? I pray that the anointing of God that's in this house crushes you. I pray that you don't walk the same after you feel the call of God from this. I pray that you can't sleep some nights because God's put somebody on your heart. Why? Because it might be your baby one day behind that door that you're just praying, God, send an angel. Does anybody feel called tonight? Do you see their faces? Do you see their souls? What kind of compassion do you have tonight? As we slosh in the water of outpouring at the altar, is there enough to reach beyond the four walls? Somebody needs to talk to God. This is a moment in time. Don't let this pass you by. Don't let this pass you by. Oh, God, I don't want to be careless. God, with your children. God, use me.
somebody's spirit come on you can do this come on you can do this God give me a bus God give me a ministry bigger than a pulpit
can trust me. of the lost. Something's wrong with your spirit. God, rid of me, God. God, I want to be more like you. God, I want to see your children like you see them. Come on, God's calling laborers tonight. Come on, God's calling laborers tonight. God, I'm not scared to get dirty. God, I'm not scared to be spent in the kingdom of God. 